This is Michelle Gibbs. My husband and I have been married for 15 years and we have five wonderful children. My oldest is 14 and the youngest is not quite a year old and we live in Idaho. I love studying the scriptures and creating this podcast every week really helps me to dig deep into the scriptures and ponder and receive my own personal revelations. Join me as I share some of the thoughts that I have when I study using the Come Follow Me program by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This week we are studying 2 Nephi chapters 6 through 10 and this is Jacob the brother of Nephi and he's speaking to the Nephites and a lot of what he's teaching them comes from Isaiah's writings and chapters 7 and 8 come straight from Isaiah and also a small part of chapter 6. One of my favorite scriptures this week was actually pointed out to me by my nine-year-old son Parker. In our kitchen we have a dry erase board that is our scripture board and anybody can write a scripture on there if they find one as they're studying that they really like and that way the whole family can read it and be uplifted by it. And this week my nine-year-old came in and he said I have a scripture I really like I just read it and he wrote it on the board and I was for some reason a little bit surprised when I saw that it was from chapter 7 because chapter 7 is one of the chapters that Jacob is quoting Isaiah and as a nine-year-old I don't know if I was reading the Book of Mormon alone but if I was I'm sure I wasn't really getting anything out of Isaiah so I was so excited to see him put it up there the verse that he likes is 2 Nephi chapter 7, verse 7, and it says, For the Lord God will help me, therefore I shall not be confounded, therefore have I set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. And I love the first phrase of that, which says, For the Lord God will help me. So thanks, Parker. I love that verse, and it's really been my inspiration all week. I kind of feel like that's been my theme for the week with all the scripture reading we've done. I just see that coming up over and over again in these chapters that the Lord wants us to know that he's there for us and that he will help us no matter what. As long as we put our faith in him and do what we can and I love that inspiring thought. Another verse that stuck out to me is in chapter 6 and it's verse 16 where it says, For shall the prey be taken from the mighty, or the lawful captive delivered? And verse 17 answers and says, Even the captives of the mighty shall be taken away, and the prey of the terrible shall be delivered. For the mighty God shall deliver his covenant people. And I really like the imagery that these two verses create for me, because I imagine a small animal who is chased down by a large dog or other animal and there's not a lot of hope for it. I don't know if any of you have small animals or anything. We've had cats and rabbits in the past and a few of them have been attacked by dogs because we live in a place where there's just a lot of animals and a lot of space and so sometimes things happen and I know that when when you have a dog and your dog sees something they want to go for, they just go for it. And once that's in their mind, I can't stop them. I'm not as fast and I'm certainly not equipped to protect a small animal from, from a bigger animal. And 
there's really nothing you can do once once a small animal is caught in the clutches of a big dog. There's very little that you can do to help that poor little creature. But it's not that way with Jesus Christ. He will save us if we repent. No matter how deep we are entrenched in sin, no matter how hopeless it seems for us, he can and he will deliver us. It may seem impossible, but nothing is impossible to God. And that's what I really like about those two verses is it just points out the fact that even though it may seem impossible, it's never to that point for us. We can always be redeemed. Of course, that redemption doesn't come without effort on our parts. And if we ever feel like we don't have the presence of Heavenly Father in our lives, it's important to remember that He has not forsaken us. We have forgotten Him. Chapter 7, verse 1 says, To whom have I put thee away? Or to which of my creditors have I sold you? Yea, to whom have I sold you? Behold, for your iniquities have ye sold yourselves. And it makes me think about the picture that has Jesus Christ standing at a door knocking, but there's no doorknob, and the only way for him to come into our lives is if we open the door to him. And when we sin and when we forget to make time in our lives for spiritual things, then we pull ourselves away from that door and away from our Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. And we can't receive their help because we're too far away to hear them when they try to help us. Chapter 9, verse 42, paints a similar picture with Jesus Christ in a door, but it has the doorknob flipped to the other side. It says, And whoso knocketh, to him will he open. And I also like this image because it reminds me that Jesus Christ will always answer that door. But we have to knock. We have to do our part and put in the effort, and then he will save us. Chapter 6, verse 12 says, If it so be that they shall repent and fight not against Zion, and do not unite themselves to that great and abominable church, they shall be saved, for the Lord God will fulfill his covenants which he has made unto his children. And God's promises are eternal. The covenants that he makes with us, they're everlasting. Verse 6 of chapter 8 says, But my salvation shall be forever. And that just reminds me that life passes away, and so do our worldly possessions. They can come and go, but the gifts that come from Jesus Christ, those are eternal. In chapter 9, Jacob is explaining things and teaching more to the people. And in verse 10, he calls death and hell an awful monster. And the manual encourages us to think about how we think of death and of sin and what words we would use. And I thought about Harry Potter, and I don't know how many of you have read that, but it's one of my favorite book series. I'm pretty familiar with it, and I love to listen to it. I love to read it. It's just a great series. And in book seven of the Harry Potter series, there's this fire, and it's called a fiend fire, and it's unquenchable. They can't put it out. And the flames look like creatures and they're like chasing after the characters. And the only way for the characters to escape, they find some broomsticks. They jump on the broomsticks and they're flying out of reach of these terrifying flames that are devouring everything in their sight. And they're flying for the door. They can just barely see in the distance 
a tiny point of light, which is the door they're trying to find, and they fly towards that door, and they're able to escape and get away from the fire, but those unfortunate characters who are not able to fly on brooms, they didn't find any, one of them is consumed by the fire, and the others are saved by Harry Potter and his friends, but it really made me think about death and hell. We have this terrifying fire, creatures, monsters, whatever you want to think of it, that are after us, and we have to escape because if we allow that fire to consume us, it will destroy us. And I think the broom could be the atonement. And as we take advantage of the atonement in our lives and repent, we're able to elevate ourselves above those fiery flames from hell. And we're able to point our spirits in the direction of eternal salvation, that little pinprick of light, and follow the light, and fly as hard and as fast as we can, and save others along the way as we find them being consumed, and we try to bring them along with us so that we can all be saved and make it out of that room full of fire and be safe. So that's my analogy, and that's what I thought of when I thought about how I would describe death and hell. Sometimes, though, Satan isn't obvious in his attempts to destroy us. He can be very subtle. Chapter 9, verse 28 says, Oh, that cunning plan of the evil one. Oh, the vainness and the frailties and the foolishness of men. When they are learned, they think they are wise, and they hearken not unto the counsel of God, for they set it aside, supposing they know of themselves. And this is often Satan's plan. Heavenly Father wants us to learn and grow and develop our physical and intellectual and spiritual selves. And Satan takes that knowledge that we gain and turns it against us sometimes. He wants us to be as smart as we can. And he hopes that we will use that knowledge and trust that knowledge over our Heavenly Father's knowledge. Sometimes we think we know so much and that therefore we know what is best. This is an age of a lot of knowledge and progression, just like Heavenly Father intended it to be. But like all blessings and gifts that the Lord has given to us, including technology, transportation, medicine, many others, Satan uses these same tools as weapons against our spiritual well-being. Heavenly Father wants us to learn and grow, but as we do so, we need to be careful to stay humble and to continue to seek the Lord's counsel and align our will with His in our lives. And when there's need for correction, as often there is, it's important to not be afraid of that correction, but to embrace it and to let it help us become better. Chapter 9, verse 40 says, I know that the words of truth are hard against all uncleanness, but the righteous fear them not, for they love the truth and are not shaken. The thing I love about aligning our will with Heavenly Fathers is that we know that God will do what He says. Chapter 9, verse 17 says, Oh, the greatness and the justice of our God, for he executeth all his words. Sometimes as a parent and also as a dog owner, I threaten to do things if certain rules aren't followed, but I don't always follow through. And when that happens, my children or my dogs learn that I don't mean what I say and that there might not actually be a negative consequence for breaking certain rules. The rule then becomes powerless and has no effect on them. So it's important for me to stick to my word just as Heavenly Father does. 
and as a Godhead, Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost are united. And if we will unite as parents and as families, we can have power and strength in that unity. But if we don't unite ourselves together, then we leave ourselves open to the fiery darts of Satan. I've spent some time this week thinking about having a circumcised heart. Verse 33 talks about an uncircumcised heart, and it just really got me to thinking about what it takes to have a circumcised heart and what that could mean. The idea behind circumcision is that we're trying to keep an area clean and avoid infections. So we want a circumcised heart because we want to keep our heart pure and clean and safe from the infections of sin. We want to cut out the parts which are more susceptible to infections. Circumcision, of course, suggests getting cut, but it's very difficult to cut through something that is hard. So if we have a hard heart, we can't allow those cuts and that growth. We have to make sure that we have a soft heart and that we're humble if we're going to allow this process to take place in our hearts. Getting cut hurts, but as we allow this process to happen in our lives, it will strengthen us and increase our spiritual capacity. A sister in our ward who taught the lesson for Relief Society last week showed us a neat little trick with a paper circle that she made, and it represented our spiritual capacity. And as she talked to us about spiritual capacity, she made a series of cuts in it and discussed how when our heart gets cut, it hurts. But after she made all these little tiny cuts, she stretched the paper out and the circle became so many times larger than it had been before, showing how our spiritual capacity grows as we allow these processes to take place in our lives and in our heart. In the October General Conference last year, Michelle Craig spoke about our spiritual capacity and she reminded us to be humble enough to accept the Lord's way, even if it is on our own way. She talked about Nephi, the brother of Jared, and Moses, all using different methods to get across a body of water with their people and that they were each directed into different methods by God. Now, Heavenly Father could have given them each the same way and let them handle it all the same. But he doesn't work that way. He wants each one of us to grow in the way that we need to grow. And he uses our strengths as we serve. And also, he helps our weaknesses to become strengths. And so, each plan is a little bit different for each one of us. As Nephite, the famous scripture where he talks about how the Lord will provide a way for him to accomplish what he needs to do. Sister Craig notes that Nephi says a way and not the way. She goes on to say, do we miss or dismiss personal errands from the Lord because he has prepared a way different from the one we expect? Heavenly Father's plan for each one of us is unique and different, just as we are all different. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is not a secret. It's open and offered to everybody who will come unto Christ and repent. Chapter 9, verse 41 says, The way for man is narrow, but it lieth in a straight course before him. And that's a good reminder for me that truth doesn't hide in dark secret places, but it is open and offered to all who will seek it. Next week, we're studying 2 Nephi, chapters 11 through 25. So lots and lots of reading and lots of Isaiah. So it should be a great week.